Falcons fans, welcome in. It is episode 27, part two of episode 27, uh, because uh, full disclosure, we recorded this last night uh, on the 27th, and the audio was so jacked up, it could not be uh, listened to. So uh, here we are again, recording the same thing, plus a few new things that's happened today that we're going to talk about. Um but before we get into all of that, uh, tonight joining me uh, again is Troy. He filled in for Mike when Mike was on vacation. Uh, Troy, uh, like myself, big college football guy. So both of us, uh, we figured would be a good idea that we would handle the college uh, scouting, if you will, uh, this going into the draft. Uh, we would uh, be a lot more successful that Mike would just be literally looking at guys for the first time ever and have no idea who they are and who that how they who they've played for or anything else he's uh mike is if you've listened to the show before he is 100 falcons 100 nfl that's pretty much it there's not a whole lot of he doesn't watch anything else um although he has promised me this year he will watch college so i'm gonna hold him to it um but yeah so troy how's it going man how are you doing good good to be back again um so- <laughs> So, so John didn't mention this, but yesterday was his birthday. So yes. I, that was his early, or I guess late birthday present was the audio getting scrambled. So that yeah, was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was a few bourbons in and I was like, shit, is this, is this the already drinking too much? Or is this, <laughs> yeah. is this really not as bad? No, it's messed up. That's, that's what really happened. Yeah, exactly. I just hit the wrong damn button. No, it was just not good. But that uh, was, yeah, I turned, uh, turned the magical 40 yesterday. So um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, like I've said, I don't know if you, if, if you watch the shows or if you listen to the shows with Troy uh, before, um, we literally grew up next to each other. He's about, what, you're three years younger than me, right? So. Two-ish, two and a half, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we grew up playing sports together and been friends in our entire lives. And so, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to think that, you know, here we are with kids and whatnot, and I just turned 40 and, you know, but like you said, this new 25, so feeling good. I, I got no issues. That's right. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the kick-ass uh, hex, head art, hex head art piece that uh, Amanda got me for my birthday. It's the old black falcon with a, a uh, uh, was it LED red lights behind it. And uh, I think that's what it's called. But it's, it's, it's super nice. I mean, hex head art makes some ridiculously nice stuff. They did some stuff for the Braves uh, when they won the world series. They did stuff for Georgia. Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked that out, definitely do. And we're not sponsored by them. I would love to be sponsored by them, but we're not, but, uh, just a very, very cool piece. And that's going to be all on our podcast now from, from here on out behind me. But, uh, yeah, man. So before we get into, uh, what we're going to do this podcast, we are going to talk about the edge rushers and the corners. We are going to get into a little bit of the playoffs because that was the most ridiculous weekend of football that either one of us has seen in our lives. Um, a little bit of Falcons news. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov had a interview today with Nick and Chris on 680 The Fan, and he was in the studio, and it was super, super candid. Like, I haven't heard a GM. And I granted, he's not the GM anymore, but, um, you know, really speak the way he did today. is really cool. I just listened to it not that long ago. Or watched it actually on YouTube. Um, so Falcons fans, if you uh, check that out for sure, because it's um, you know it, it, I don't know. I, for me, uh, Thomas, I've had a bad taste in my mouth about with Thomas and DQ ever since the Super Bowl and and other issues with Thomas as, as far. I mean, clearly what right we're dealing with now with the salary cap. He kind of goes into detail about why certain decisions were made and what decisions he made. You know, he kind of regrets or wouldn't do again in hindsight. 
so it's, it's really interesting to uh he was he was really candid it was it was cool um and then we'll uh we'll, we'll move on uh to like i said getting into these uh these potential ed rushers which there is a ton of them so this may end up being a two-part series i'm not sure but um i've got the edge rushers troy has the corners uh we have watched some film we have looked at different uh reports on these guys and kind of get our own opinion um we are by no means experts uh <laughs> by a long shot we just two dudes have been watching football for a long time we have a decent idea of what we're talking about we can hit sometimes just like uh most gms and we can miss a lot of the time so <laughs> I, mean, I don't think we're that far off to be honest with you no probably not um and i do have something that will prove that a little bit later on but um yeah, so anyway, man, so getting right into the uh, the playoffs, uh, man, that was crazy that Saturday. Like, I think we were talking before, actually, on episode one, um, you said that, you know, didn't think, you know, there's no any way that Sunday could be Saturday, but it was, it did. Yeah, it was four great games, and like you said, it was the most ridiculous weekend of football I've ever seen. I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, with, with Burrow getting hammered, over and over and over again. I mean, I, you know, on Twitter, you saw like the Falcons people, you know, like, hey, man, now y'all, you know, Matt, Matt understands, you know, Ryan understands what you're going through. Um, but just goes to show you, man, I mean, with since he's as bad as their line is, which they could be worse than ours, um, I mean, with the, it helps to have some weapons, um, you know, which we did not have. We hadn't <laughs> a lack of, of weapons, but you saw what Jamar Chase could do. Um, you know, obviously Burrow being an elite talent and then mixing in the backfield. I mean, having those options to go to when you're, you know, when your line's crapping out. And that almost wasn't enough. I mean, you know, it was almost not enough to overcome, um, even with those weapons. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, amazing performance by, by, uh, by them to get it. I, I thought Tennessee was going to win that game going into it. It too, for sure. No, I mean, it's kind of the opposite of the way you, or the way I would traditionally want to build a team like the Belichickian way around your mm -hmm. line. They build around their skill positions, kind of, kind of like, you know, the Falcons did with Julio and Matt, and, but not getting an offensive line. I didn't think it was possible, but they've, they've got it done. And I think, yeah, yeah. Think Burrow just kind of has that it factor. You know, he's just a, a winner and finds ways to win. So, yeah. Great. I think he, he may run into the, to his demise this week with uh, the Chiefs, just because, I mean, I think the fact he was facing Ryan Tannehill probably helped him out a lot. <laughs> For sure. Um, Patrick Mahomes is definitely no Ryan He's Tannehill. A little bit of a different animal than, yeah. than Tannehill. Yep, and that defensive line too. They were getting after Allen pretty hard, and uh, I think that they're gonna they're gonna come after uh, <laughs> come after after watching that the offensive line performance. I think they're not they're gonna come after Joe pretty hardcore as well. Um, but, and then the other thing out of that game, you know, Julio played, you know, was, I guess it was his fifth game of the season. He played four, I think, regular season games. So Falcons fans was, or T Falcons Twitter, I should say, was having a, a blast just dogging him, you know, dragging him left and right for what, well, which I partially, I understand because, you know, the only, the only thing that he said when he left that, uh, I guess that none of this rubbed me the wrong way, just had me questioning things as he was going to get an upgraded quarterback with Tannehill. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. I don't know in what world that's an upgrade. Um, you know, I think uh, and I won't get into it, but I think it's pretty clear to see how Arthur Smith affected Tannehill last year, um, or how much of the success Tannehill had was because of Arthur Smith. Um, 
but yeah, watching, uh, watching Twitter go nuts was pretty funny. You had guys that were just, I mean, dogging the hell out of them. You had guys were like really pissed off about it and defending him. Like, no, you know, I've kind of in the middle. Like I, I, if you're, if you're butthurt about how he left, that's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me one way or the other. Um, you know, he did, he did have a, a goodbye on Instagram. He did, he addressed the Falcons fans in the, um, the press conference with the, with the Titans. I don't need somebody to really just pour their heart out to me, to, to be honest with you. And I'm a big Julio guy. I loved him. I mean, I watched an Alabama fan. I've got jerseys in my closet. I mean, my favorite player while he was here, um, you know, I don't wish any ill will upon the dude. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, I do. I just think it is kind of funny that, you know, the reason you went there just to, and I, and I also get that you're an aging receiver who wants a chance to win a championship. I get that whole part. Tennessee, you could say, I mean, obviously had a great season. They could have been right for a championship. They just missing that quarterback, which he thought he was upgrading on, but you know, either way. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't criticize anybody at all for wanting to go contend and play for a winner. You, you know, the Falcons are going to be there or certainly aren't going to be there for the next couple of years. But yeah, to your point, I mean, the, the quarterback is not the reason you go. It's almost no. crazy to say that. But I'm yeah, just, yeah. I mean, Julio is a Falcons legend. He's probably the greatest receiver of all time, him or Roddy. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I, I, I can't criticize him too much. No, I appreciate everything he did here. I mean, he caught, like I said before on the show, he caught a ball, most ridiculous catch on the sideline that should have sealed us the, the, the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, he – uh, you know, and, and I wasn't mad that he left, to be honest. I mean, like the last few years um, hasn't been on the field enough for me for a number one. I mean, he come off on third downs a lot. You're just wondering where he's at, you know, and, uh, you know, even if he's on, even if he's a little banged up, I mean, if you're on the field and you can play, then damn it, be on the field for third down because that's going to be that you're going to garner some attention by one or two or three dudes, you know, maybe, you know, so, but I wasn't, I, I was okay with it, with the way the injury kind of was stacking up. And I was totally fine getting the second round and whatever, you know, we got from Tennessee. And clearly we won that. I mean, right now we're, we're winning the hell out of that trade because, again, he played four games this year and, I mean, didn't do a whole lot in the, in the, in the, in the playoff game. But uh, anyway, I just had to throw that out there because it was, you know, Falcons related of sorts. But um, – and then, uh, you know, the, we're not going to talk too much about the playoff game. Just wanted to quickly mention it. Uh, Green Bay, I thought, was definitely going to win that game. Uh, you know, uh, Rodgers in the in the cold and everything. It just seemed like, you know, but the credit credit to Miko Ryans and that defense, man. They did the job. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers are the kind of team that's set up to beat Green Bay and Lambeau. J Jimmy G cannot throw a pass, and they can still hang in the game with their defense and running game. So that's what you got to do in, what, minus two degree weather in Lambeau. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you. I didn't think they had a chance, but – I mean, I guess anytime you can can rely on your defense and running game, you've always got a shot. They yeah. found a way to pull it up, pull it out. Exactly. And uh, then, you know, Sunday, uh, the, I was just happy to see Brady go down, uh, to be honest. I mean, I, I had nothing to do with hate for Brady. I, I respect the hell out of him. I just didn't want to see the Bucks again because they're a division rival. I don't like the Bucks. never like the Bucks. Um, I don't like uh, I don't like Sue very much. Thought it was hilarious when uh, him and Stafford got into it, and he thought Stafford kicked him. He might have he might have kicked him. I just know I think Stafford said I just knew a big dude was on me, and I was trying to you know get him the hell off. So um, it's just funny coming from the probably the dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and uh, so yeah, so that that was kind of humorous. And then I mean, I thought they were going to. I mean. You know, you, I was waiting for somebody to bring it up, and finally, Al Michaels, of course. Now, this is I was in my nest of twenty-eight to three, and I'm like, God 
damn it, man. Like, just leave us alone. Just one time. I mean, I know we earned it, but my God, you know, just, and then, but then I started thinking, well, hell man, if they do come back, like we're not off the hook, but you know, we're going to at least have some company in this, uh, you know, Brady come back, you know, just garbage. But, uh, when Cam fumbled the ball before the half, I thought that was going to be come back and haunt him. And, uh, it did. And then dude, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when he fumbled the ball there at the end of the game. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but yeah, to see Stafford do what he did though, there at the end, that was, uh, that was nice to see. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope he, I mean, I hope they beat the 49ers and go on. That's who I'm rooting for, at least on the, on the NFC side, um, and go on. So what about you? No, I, I'm definitely rooting for the Rams. I, I think they're going to struggle. I mean, I, like I said, the 49ers are the kind of team that can beat the Rams. You know, the pass rush doesn't really affect them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know Rams run defense is probably better than the Packers, but or definitely is better than the Packers. But yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely pulling for Stafford. He he definitely deserves it. Um, but, you know, had a great career despite being with the Lions. And uh, was it you that said that a lot of like a lot of what was seen in that game at the end? He's, he did it all the time with the Lions. It was just the Lions. So yeah, yeah. Michael Rothstein, who's actually the Falcons reporter now for ESPN, he spent a ton of time in Detroit and uh, yeah. with Stafford and. You know, he said on his podcast um, uh, that, you know, that's something that Stafford did a lot in Detroit was he was one of the best in-game quarterbacks there was, but you didn't hear it or see it a lot because it was the Lions and they were typically yeah. shitty. So, I mean, it was just, you know, but yeah, I was, I was, I was happy to see him kind of get it done. Um, and then the night game, man, I don't, that was just a game for the ages. I mean, it just, to see those two guys in the game going back and forth and just, and I had no, you know, us, we don't have a dog in the fight, you know, and I was on the edge of my seat nervous and just, I mean, uh, I, I, I guess I kind of wanted Buffalo to win um, and nothing. I mean, I don't, it didn't bother me either way. I just, I mean, I, I like Alan a lot, um, but man, like just, I, I, I just couldn't believe, I mean, 13 seconds, you know, you'd think would be enough, <laughs> um, but yeah. I guess when you go to prevent defense, anything can happen in 13 yeah, seconds. Man, that's what drove me crazy. I mean, and I'm sure people have seen the Kelsey stuff by now who basically, you know, orchestrated that last two plays himself. But uh, when you got your safeties playing that deep, I mean, it's like, I don't know what the thought process was there. Like, I understand playing a little deep on the, you know, to try to keep, but I mean, that deep, like all they need was a field goal, dude. Like that's all I needed. Yeah, I get keep them in front of you. I, I understand yeah. don't get beat. But don't give them 30 yards either. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, and if we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, for God's sake, like he he, he can run as well. Don't forget, like, you know, like even, yeah. even if you're so I don't know. I didn't I did not understand that strategy at all. So but so what's your what's your feelings about the overtime? Oh, uh, it's gotta be changed, man. Yeah, it's gotta be changed. I, I don't um I mean, it's funny. We didn't hear a whole lot of screaming about it in 2016 when Matt yeah. didn't get to touch the ball in the overtime. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I, to, I don't know how you felt, but I thought whoever won the coin toss was going to win the game. hundred percent. Both, both defenses were gassed. I mean, just like in the Super Bowl, I thought if, if we won at the toss, we had a really good chance of winning the game. And I thought if New England won it, then we were screwed. Um, and, uh, I just, it's to, to, for the game that Josh had and to not be able to have an opportunity in the overtime, it's just, it blows my mind. I mean, and, and I, we talked about it before. I, I don't want the college rule. I mean, I think you give both team a possession. If the team first team scores a touchdown out the gate, that's fine. But the other team gets a chance. And if they don't score, fine, game over. But again, they get a chance. 
um, and then just play a regular overtime period. I mean, I don't just, you know, it's, it's not like we're playing, we're not, we're not playing nine or 10 overtimes like they do in college, but potentially, you know, is it, it'd be one overtime. I don't know. They've got to figure it out though, because I mean, they, the coin toss ruined that game. I mean, that could have been an epic ending to a game. Oh. Yeah. yeah as, as great of a game as it was, it came down to a coin toss. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah, so moving on from that, we just want, like I said, we had to mention that because, uh, and Mike might might talk about it. Um, and by the way, Mike's not here because he would be here, but he is uh, slammed working this week. So he did want to join us, but he might be joining us in the, actually he will be if he can in the, in the future talks. Um, even though he doesn't know a lot about these uh, prospects, he will learn about them as we talk about them. <laughs> and uh, he is, knowing Mike, he'll have uh, plenty of questions for us as well. Um, some other news that happened this week, man. Sean Payton. See you later. R.I.P. Dude. Good I was so, we talk about rejoicing, man. That, I'm, we're, I think Falcons fans are almost as happy about that as like any win I've ever seen. I mean, it was just like <laughs> they were losing their shit on Twitter. And which I mean, I don't I don't disagree. I can't stand the dude. I mean, you know, it's all the stuff over the years, with the Falcons, you know, the whole choke thing and whatever. I mean, like, yep. I, I, yeah, man, peace. I mean, good luck. I mean, I, I mean, don't, I don't blame him. I mean, the team's what, 70 million over the cap? <laughs> I well, believe it too. That's what I was going to say is, I mean, really, the Saints are not set up very well for the next few years between their cap mm-hmm. issues, Peyton leaving, Drew Brees, not having a quarterback. I mean, yep. We're, we're in a good spot to at least, at least beat them out head to head. Yeah, and, and the, the news with Brady, I mean, potentially, you know, the way he's talking at least kind of leads toward retirement, the few of the things he said. I mean, dude, if Brady retires and Peyton being gone, like, and the, the Carolina's hot and you know, garbage with Matt Rule. I mean, I think Rule's already yeah. – he's already got one foot out the door anyway. I don't think he wants to be there. Yeah. Um, man, I mean, it's I, I hate to say that uh, we have a chance next year to win the division, but we kind of have a it, chance to win it, the division it, next year. It's up for grabs. It definitely is. We might win it with five wins, but we could do yeah. it. It'd be possible. <laughs> um, worst with division winner ever, but it could be, it could happen. Um, but yeah, no, that was just, that was really good news for us. And uh, on a, another good news, uh, CP won, uh, Co. they shared it, uh, most comeback player of the year award. But I thought that was pretty awesome for him because, or I'm sorry, not comeback, but most improved, my bad, most improved player of the year, which I mean, <laughs> well deserved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Falcons did release Matt Gano today after he didn't play the entire 21 season with an injury. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, if he fully recovers from an injury, I think he would have been a pretty good fit. Um, but he was going to be a free agent in March anyway. So I guess he just went ahead and called it a day. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, we mentioned it a little bit, but the uh, Dimitrov interview on 680, uh, the fan today, uh, was really interesting, man. I mean, like I said, if you guys should go check it out because he talked about how he uh, regretted the Devonta Freeman uh, signing, and he kind of went into detail about, you know, why you extend extended uh, Julio when he did. Um, talks about some of the just the stuff that you know he kind of wished he maybe would have done a little differently. What cracked me up was he talked about um, they asked him about the suit, how he felt at the end of the Super Bowl, you know, and uh, you know. He didn't just throw Shanahan under the bus, but he basically said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, um, you know, Dan was relying on his offensive coordinator to call the plays that he knows his offense can can do, can can uh, can handle, that he knows his offense better than anyone. 
he said, but in the same sense, you know, run the ball three times and kick it doesn't seem like it's that hard. So I thought that was throwing a little bit of shade there to, toward Kyle, but I mean, that's well-deserved shade because I mean, he's hundred percent right. Um, and, you know, I, who's to say, you know, Matt could have, uh, Brian could have missed the field goal, but I mean, that dude didn't miss at all that year. I mean, he's he was, automatic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was a good interview. Like I said, I, I was, uh, it was cool. Now, I don't, I don't dislike him as much as I did before the interview was put that way because <laughs> he, he shed some light on, you know, the decisions and what goes into that decision making, not just on the surface so that, you know, what we see as fans, but, you know, behind the scenes type of thing. So it is a shame for him because that season, particularly, I mean, I'm not defending him, some of the decisions he made after that season, but the team was set up to win the Super Bowl. They should have won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If they would have won the Super Bowl, his legacy would have been completely different. He would yeah. still have a job today for one with the Falcons, but I mean, it's, it's a shame that, you know, everything that you set a team up for comes down to that and it's really out of your hands. Yep. Yeah, and, he, and he spoke on it. He spoke on the fact saying that, you know, being an NFC championship GM is a hell of a lot different than being a Super Bowl winning GM, you know, and, for everything. Yeah. Quarterbacks, coaches, everything. I mean, yeah. Super Bowl, you, you've made it yep. for forever. You know, you're. And, and one thing that, you know, uh, Chris Domino on the, on the, on the station said, he asked him, he said, you know, one thing, he's he's been he said before you know uh with matt you know if you're going to ride with matt then you're going to have to have a running game and that's and 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 td said that too he said you're going to have to have a hell of a running game you know and you need a a good offensive line so matt can operate um like most pocket passers um like we just saw in cincinnati and and burrow's got some wills he's not a pure pocket passer but you can see what happens when the line collapses like it does i don't care how good you are look at brady last week dude Lion was hurt. All his, all his weapons were gone. He looked just, bleh, you know, I mean, like, so it's, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not crazy to think that you improve your offensive line and you get a running game that you can't still win with Matt. So, I mean, I, I I'm all for a succession. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm all for a succession <laughs> plan uh, for Matt. We'll get into that when we get to the quarterbacks uh, review in a few weeks or whenever we do that. But um, yeah, I just, you know, but they ask him, you know, if when you, when you plan on that, and you and you do build like you said earlier with the uh, the skill positions. You can't miss on the other ones. You can yeah. and you you can have a Peter Cons, you know, like and he spoke on that, you know, and then like you. So when those guys like that happen, he even said that he said he he probably moved on too too quickly from Todd McClure, which I thought was because we all thought that. And he said he didn't he didn't he didn't really consult with Matt, and he didn't realize that having that veteran presence there was so important for Matt and the line until it was too late basically until he was uh, the decision was already made and you know cons was drafted and he was terrible um you know and so then how you miss on you know you draft tack and then you you know you, you draft Rashid Hegman you know and he said a, a lot of it was they missed on the person not the talent well I mean that goes down to the interview man like uh that that's that's if you're missing on the person then that's I mean how, how you you vet these guys inside and out so yeah, it's kind of on you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. There's, pl- there's plenty of scouting reports and all that that talks about yeah. that. they're not yeah. just skill. Yeah. So. yeah. And he, and he said that too. He said, and, and, and I'll give him that. He, he's, he held up his hands. He said, look, I'm, I'm the dude. And I was the guy in charge. All the blame comes toward me. I understand it. Like he wasn't, he didn't try to like sidestep it or anything. So it was, it was pretty impressive. Like I said, I, I give him props for uh, not really sidestepping any questions and being really honest with everything. So, um, all right. So let's get into it. 
we are, like I said, we are reviewing a few of the edge rushers and a few of the cornerbacks that the Falcons could possibly take. And this all depends on, I mean, we're sitting here on January 28th. I mean, free agency doesn't start till March 1st. Calvin uh, has liked some posts this week about possibly being a Miami Dolphins receiver, which got everybody pissed off because that de definitively confirms that he hates Atlanta and that this was all a ploy. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Um, but you'd look at Twitter and you'd think that was the case. And I, look, I, trust me, like him liking the post was not the smartest thing in the world for him to do. But I mean, um, I, I'm still not going to, I'm not making any, I'm not making any judgment until I hear from him himself. Cause we have not heard a word from him since his statement that he was taking time off. So, you know, I, I, I hope to God he didn't fake the whole thing just to not play and move on. If, if he did, then that's going to be, have, he's going to have some shitty karma coming his way. Um, but, uh, and I, I, honestly, I honestly don't think that was the case. Um, I looked at it, too, as, well, I mean, Tua's down there. That's his boy from college. Maybe, you know, who knows? I don't know. I, I, and then, but, you know, I looked today, and the like was gone. So he was like, probably was like, oh, shit, should have done that, and then unliked it. Um, but I think he also liked the Instagram post with him uh, photoshopped in a Miami uh, Dolphins uniform. So I don't know if he unliked that one or not, but. Whatever, dude. I just want to. I just one way or the other. I'd like it to be over at some point, so at least we could kind of know where we were going <laughs> with that position. That's kind of my thinking. I mean, my heart goes out to him if something's going on, but he needs to speak up. I mean, he needs to at least, you know, own it. Whatever, whatever's going on with him, he needs to to say something. You know, in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, that's hundred percent. And I, Mike and I have said a hundred times on here. Um, you know. Uh, fully support his decision to step away if it's you know if he's really dealing with something mental health issues whatever it is um the person you know is more important than anything uh first but like you know like you said and i mean they said at the end, at the end of the end, end of the uh, season uh conference press conference you know they asked him you know when do you have you set a date that you need to hear something from calvin and they was like no I'm like well should you better have set a date because i mean yeah. i mean the clock's ticking man i mean like yeah. I mean, free agency is approaching. He's got a year left on his deal. Uh, if they trade him and get a first round pick, I'm not mad about that, to be honest. I mean, I mean, take that back. Yes, because it screws. Uh, if Calvin is wants to be here and he's back to being himself, then on the field at least, then okay, cool. I mean, we've got a number one receiver and then we can build around that, add another receiver. Cause I clearly, our receiver room right now is like, you know, I don't know, the dude off the street pretty much. So we don't, we don't have anybody in the receiver room right now. Um, so hopefully he comes back because that'll be one less, I mean, cause that, that may go from us drafting a, a number one receiver to like a complimentary piece for Calvin, you know, that, that changes things a lot. So I don't know, man, I just hope it, um, uh, first of all, I mean, I hope it works out. I hope everything works for him, uh, on a personal level, but I hope it, you know, obviously it works out good for the Falcons too, one way or the other. If, if we do end up trading him, I do hope we get a first. I, I think he's worth a first. He's a number one receiver in the league. Um, you know, maybe a late first rounder. I'd be totally fine with that. You know, that's, we'll see. I don't know. But um, anyway, so I, I mean, I guess I can start with the pass rushers if that's cool with you, Troy. Yeah. Um, before we get started, though, I do want to read a cool little, uh, I'm going to read you a, uh, it's a scouting report from a pass rusher that's currently in the league. But with his scouting report coming into the league uh, as a rookie, and Troy, you're going to pretend like you've never heard this before, uh, just like you did 24 hours ago. Um, 
All right, so weaknesses, not overly twist up as an athlete, short strider who lacks explosion out of the stance and up the field to bend the edge as a pass rusher. Foot quickness is average and needs to win with technique and great hand play. Won't generate enough acceleration to crank up speed to power rush with consistency. He plays with a narrow base, needs to play with more consistent bend to play through redirection by offensive line. We'll have to add power in his base to hold a point of attack against tackles. His pass rush menu will need to be, well, no, I'm sorry, will need more options against NFL tackles, should be a starter within a couple of years. So to me, that sounds like a, yeah, you know, that's, I don't know. Yeah, that was TJ Watts' weaknesses by the scouting report. Cause I started wondering throughout this whole process of me looking at film, like what the hell made him drop so far? What made the Falcons pick tack over TJ? And so I just read all that basically just, just to tell you that um, nobody knows anything. And uh, you can, you can, you can have all the, uh, you know, stats on a guy you want, but you can still miss uh, with every bit of uh, information you think is going to be spot on. You, you can still miss. Um, and some clearly a bunch of guys missed. It wasn't just us. I mean, 28, whatever, 28, 29 other teams didn't take the guy before we did. If we, if we redraft that, he's what, probably going one, right? He just tied the sack record this year. He's your first or second pick. Um, you know, so that kind of, you know, blew me away a little bit. Uh, and then you look at somebody like, and, you know, this is this hearing what uh, Dimitrov said today brought me back to this as well. I looked up what they said about Vic Beasley coming out of the uh, combine and, you know, coming into the, into the league. This was his scouting report. High cut with narrow waist and thin legs needs to add more bulk, unlikely to convert speed to power against NFL tackles, which was spot the hell on uh, wins with athleticism on majority of his sacks rarely transitions from speed rush to a spin as an, as an instance, as an instinctual pass rusher counter, Lacks ideal arm length, too often content to stay blocked if the pass rush stalls. Saw that quite often. Uh, need to shed blocks more consistently against the run. And then good football character, but scouts are concerned about the lack of alpha dog tenacity. Hmm. That, I, I don't care how good he is on film, man. Like, I don't care how good he was in college. If I see that, or if I truly believe that about a defensive end, I move, I'm not taking him. Because that's not a that I, I want I want every one of my defensive ends to have that type of mentality. Definitely not number eight, I believe, overall. I don't remember, dude. I should know. He I mean, was, if, was, if you want to take a gamble on a later round on somebody like that that has skill but you know questionable intangibles, okay, fine. Patriots did it all the time. Yeah. But not not with your eighth overall pick. No, 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 no. And uh and, you know, they, they went on to say uh, high impact talent, but needs to crank up competitive nature in order to reach his potential. And that never happened. I mean, you just saw, and, I, and I, I said it throughout his career. Yes, he had the one good season. And, I, and, I, and like I said, he seems like the nicest dude in the world, which is great, but it's not great for your pass rushing defensive end. Mm -hmm. And I want him to be angry. I want him to rush angry. I want him to play angry. And I just didn't think he enjoyed playing football that much. It just didn't look like it. And uh, turns out pretty much was mm -hmm. right. So, anyway, that's just two little quick tidbits before we get into this edge rusher thing. So I've set myself up now. So, uh, anything I say cannot be held against me based on those two <laughs> scouting reports. Um, so I'm going to go over really two quickly, two guys that I don't think we're going to have a chance at, um, but they're, I mean, they're the two best. Well, at least uh, pretty much everybody says they're the two best pass rushers, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Aiden has been projected to go one or two. Uh, 
who knows? I mean, uh, which way that the Jaguars are going to go, they could pick tackle, you know, to help out Trevor Lawrence down there. Uh, if not, then Hutchinson will probably likely go to the Detroit with second pick. Um, just, I'm just a monster. I mean, and uh, if you remember what DW uh, on the one that we had him on from Talkaholic, he said his uh, his overrated was uh, when people judge players based on one game, they make up their mind on him. You know, and people after the Georgia game, they were like, oh, well, he was he sucked. You know, he's done this against whatever. Then I'm not going to he, he's he's, he's going to drop. OK, if he drops, please, please, Falcons, take him at eight, please. Because I watched him a lot of Michigan this year. I watched him destroy Ohio State, pretty good team. Michigan State, pretty good team. Um, and it's not, I mean, he's got everything. I mean, he, he can, he sets the edge on the run. He's, I mean, he's a big dude, great against the pass, of course, great use of his hands. He can, he's got multiple different techniques he can use. He can, he's not, isn't he's not just a one trick pony. Um, you know, so I, I I didn't watch a ton of extra film on him because, again, I don't think we're going to get him. So I didn't spend a ton of time. Same with Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, six foot five, two hundred fifty eight pounds, seven sacks, two four fumbles this year. Um, that dude, just I mean, athletic monster. I mean, incredible get off, speed to power is great. Uh, you put a tight end on him, you're going to have a really, really, really bad day. Um, tackles are going to have a, unless you're really athletic tackle. When he gets outside, it's pretty much over with. Um, good bull rush. The only downside on him I think I've really seen when I watched and a little bit of I've read is he can be a little high, which, you know, can kind of stunt your your momentum sometimes. But um, that's really it. I mean, he's he's going to be a hell of – both those two guys should be pretty much day one impact players on whatever team they, they jump into. So, um, like I said, I don't think they'll be there. If they are, I hope we take them because uh, you got the corners and, dude, I'm – our pass rush was so, so bad um, that I forgot who put it on uh, Twitter, but if we increased our sacks by 60% next year, we're still dead last. So we got a, a lot of work to do. So I just think if you can get, and there's about, I went back and looked, there's, there's probably three or four legitimate top 10 guys, talent pass rusher guys. So I think one of those guys will be there. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I'd have a hard time passing, even for like a guy like you're probably going to talk about in a few minutes, Stingley or Gardner. I mean, I, I, I almost think I would go pass rusher just because how bad we are and maybe even take another one later on in the draft. Cause there's, it's a very, like I said, this is a very deep draft when it comes to pass to edge rushers. It's just based on who they think they, who they think fits the team and who they think really, really want. And if you remember what Dean P said at the end of the season, uh, Tori McElhaney asked him, what do you need for your defense to succeed? And he said, flat out, I need guys who can play man and I need guys who can rush the passer without me having to dial up pressure. Just, you know, have without having to blitz guys, can we get pressure on the quarterback? So Kayvon and uh, Aiden, definitely a couple of those guys, again, doubt we're going to get them, but you know, it's possible, I guess in some magical world, but that's all those two guys, Troy, you can start off with uh, your first corner. Yeah, no, all that I would say before I start is I completely agree that edge rush is where we got to go there's probably five or six guys that I would take before any of the corners um I mean you got to have a pass rush in the NFL if, if you it doesn't matter I mean like you know any number of quarterbacks we saw it with that with the Lions guy I don't even remember his name Boyle picked us apart <laughs> All with, right. when, you, when yeah. you can't get to him 
So, I mean, yeah, we got to go pass rush. But anyways, um, yeah, let's get started with the corners. These are in no particular order necessarily, but I will start with, and you said it, the kind of the perennial number one, I would say Derek Stingley and Ahmad Sauce Gardner are kind of the, the top two by far, but I'm going to start with Derek Stingley. Um, for those of you that heard me a few weeks ago, I'm an LSU guy from Baton Rouge originally, so I watch a lot of LSU football. And Derek Stingley was probably, <clears throat> I don't know, him or Leonard Fournette were probably the two biggest recruits in my lifetime to LSU. He was the Perennial number one overall in the country when he came or when he committed. So highly touted recruit. His freshman year, everyone that watches football remembers had a really monstrous year. He was on the Burrow and Chase and Claude Edwards Hilaire, Justin Jefferson team that went on 15 and 0 undefeated. And he, yeah, he was a monster that year. Um, since then, uh, he's he's been injury plagued. Uh, 2020, he missed most of the season with an ankle injury. This past year, he missed most of the season with a foot industry, foot injury. So as a corner, that's definitely scary. Um, on paper, he's got everything. He's got speed, great man-to-man, -man, great ball instincts, ball hawk, but got to stay healthy. And ankle and foot industries are, are definitely a concern for a corner. So I've seen him anywhere from like four overall to 12 overall. Um, everyone knows Mel Kuyper and I think his late he actually had the Falcons taking him at eight. So that would be interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to, I mean, I don't hate it if we take Stingley or Gardner at eight. I won't, because I, I like, you know, I, I'm all for the best player available type of uh, draft because we need, we need help in so many areas. I don't want to reach for anybody. Um, so if you've got a legitimate, two lockdown like number one corners then okay i mean that's we're going to get better that's fine you know like i said and it is a deep draft on edge rushers you're taking a bigger chance of hitting on one of those later round draft edge rushers sure. um and there's no guarantee as we've seen in the past that you know your first pick edge rusher is going to i don't really as long as they hit on the damn player at eight i don't care exactly. who it is I, 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 I just need or... them exactly i need them to like you know succeed on that first pick but like you said the injury does worry me a little bit just because I mean, that's, you know, for that position, you're cutting, you know, you're stopping and going. And for a foot and ankle, I mean, coming from a guy who's tore his ligaments twice and broke my foot, the same foot. And I mean, granted, it was playing basketball, but it, after it happened the first time, man, it just that, that second, third time came easily. And that, I was taped up and I had high time. I mean, I was, you know, I had everything that I needed to have on. And, uh, you know, it still didn't work and I ended up, I mean, that was it for me after that third one. I couldn't, I couldn't continue. So um, that does worry me. I think, you know, you take that part out of it and he's easily number one, right? Without even a, like, a question. Yeah, I mean, after his freshman year, if he could have came out, he probably would have been the number one, even over like a Joe Burrow. I mean, he, he, was, yeah. he was that highly talented. It's just the injuries, you know, kind of kind of scare me, scare everyone. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> all right, so... Next edge rusher I'm looking at, and this dude is a monster. And he's one of the guys I think if he's there, you get him. Um, well, I'll, I'll go, I'll go two guys as well. I'm gonna, I'll go two guys to your one since I've got okay. a shit ton more edge rushers than, right. yeah. So, uh, George Karloftis at Purdue, he's six foot four, 275 pounds, at four and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. Uh, in 19, he was first team All American. Uh, as a freshman, 
He got COVID in 20. He's kind of a messed up year. This last year, he played 667 snaps out of 12 games. He can play inside. He can play outside. Um, just explosive off the edge. When I, when I first watched him, I immediately thought of the Watt brothers. Like, that's just what came to my mind. I mean, just like angry to now. I mean, just, just rushes with a purpose, man. Like, there's not, uh, there's no quit. I mean, he does not give up on a play. Um, the only knock that I've actually I've read, I didn't see a ton of it on film, to be honest, is um, he's maybe not as bendy as some of the guys are. Um, some of the more athletic guys are around the corner, um, which I don't, that's the same thing they said about TJ. I mean, and he's managed to be okay without being super bendy. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not super, uh, that's not one of the things I really look at when I'm looking at edge rushers. I don't, if they're not, you have to have some bend, but I mean, they got to, but if, if it, that's not my main thing, I just want them to be super strong, athletic, be good with their hands because all the guys I'm going to talk about today, except for a couple, um, what separates them from being a top 10 and being maybe a second, third, fourth, fifth rounder is really how their technique with their hands and, and a clear, and obviously the athleticism, but the guys that can use multiple different counter moves without having to rely on one, um, the guys that can think quickly, process information quickly, what they're seeing, those are the guys, that's what moves you up uh, in this, in this pass rusher class. And uh, Karloff just definitely has a high football IQ. Um, so I, I just, you know, he's one of those guys, I think if he's there at eight, I would be overjoyed to see that dude in the Falcons uniform because he he looked just really, really good. Um, next guy, David Ojabo, six foot five, 250 pounds, 11 sacks, five force fumbles, playing the opposite of Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan. Interesting guy of several people have said probably the highest ceiling of anybody, of any edge rusher in this draft period, even Hutchinson or Thibodeau. Um, his athleticism is insane. He played basketball for a long time. Didn't start playing football until his junior year in high school. Um, I think most people, if you haven't checked out a story, it's pretty cool. They, his family moved from Africa to Scotland and from Scotland over here. Um, and he didn't, he couldn't get as far as he wanted to with basketball. So he switched to football. And uh, so that being said, some of the some of his downsides are basically just his inexperience is that, you know, he hasn't had time to he hasn't been playing since he was six years old. So he hasn't developed all these crazy, you know, uh, hand moves and stuff like that. But that, I mean, the dude had uh, what I think it was a crazy number. Oh, yeah. Was it five strip sacks or something like this? I mean, he had, he had an insane amount of strip sacks. <laughs> He's mastered that uh, that strip sack. Um, just like Karloff, just great effort. Um, the dude can play in a three, four, you can, uh, you can stand him up outside playing a four, three. Um, like I said, the inexperience, I think sometimes he can be a little inconsistent. Sometimes he kind of over pursues a play, which I'm not too upset about. That's something you can kind of rail in. You don't have to, you know, I'll rather over pursue than just kind of give up on a play or, you know, like get stoned on the block and not really try after that. Um, I don't know if you saw him against Georgia, but the, uh, he had an inside jab and then spun outside and had the tackle just like, what the hell just happened? And then, I mean, it was, that's one of those things you see like, whoa, like that, that just jumps off the screen at you. And uh, so that, I, I think he's probably the biggest, he's a, he's a farther reach than what Carl Loftus would be. If both those guys are there, I mean, I don't even know what I would do to be honest. I mean, that's, I don't think you lose with either one. I think Karloftis is a little more versatile because, like I said, he can play inside, he can play out, he can play up and down the line. He's a little undersized in front of the guard. 
but he's so explosive and so I mean he I think he's gonna eat some guards alive now Ojabo I mean if he the same thing I said about Thibodeau same thing with Ojabo if he gets outside a tackle it's probably over with because that tackle is not going to be able to, to stop him from, from turning the corner. So, you know, either way, I, like I said, both those guys, I could, I could be very happy with, I don't, I'm not going to be upset if, if, you know, we take either one of those dudes, but I think those guys, we'd have legitimate chances of getting, I've seen Karloff just go to the giants and some mock draft, and you know, mock drafts are what they are, but yeah, I, 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 I think, uh, he'd be a great fit. Both of them would be. So next up for the corners. Yeah. So the next guy is the, the one that we've already mentioned is my AKA sauce Gardner uh, out of Cincinnati come out as a senior. So uh, very similar to Stingley in that he's going to be a top 10, 12 ish pick. So it's going to be one or the other, or one of these edge rushers or whoever else we go for, but you're not going to get both. Um, so, yeah, we saw him kind of up close and personal in the playoffs against John's team, Alabama. He was on their number one, Jameson Williams, and really shut him down pretty well. I mean, he, he played pretty well in that game. But, yeah, he's he's a lot like Stingley, and he's a uh, little different, probably better in zone than man, but can play a, a, a good press man too. I guess if there's any concerns about him, tackling, maybe lack of physicality, um, tends to grab sometimes when he gets in trouble and get penalized. But, yeah, he's he's – Definitely going to be a top 10-ish pick. I've seen him anywhere from 6 to 12. So he would have to be our first round if we were to get him. I'll watch a little bit of um, film on him after, uh, well, before Alabama, because it's kind of, you know, all the talk about him and everything. And I kind of want to see what he was about. And to be, uh, what, six foot two, right? I mean, to be his length, he's he's very, very smooth. Like his movements, he can take and flip his hips really quickly. And uh, I like that dude a lot. I mean, I, I, I would almost – just based on the injury, if he missed with Stingley, I'd almost go Gardner over him. But I'll be honest, I probably would too. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, seems, I'd, seem, seems less risky to me. Yeah, Not I just quite the upside, but definitely a lower floor. Yeah, right. And I, I think in our position, we can't afford to be super risky with eight. <laughs> like, you need to know, no, like, no, I completely you got, agree. You got to hit there. So, um, but yeah, I think that, yeah, I think it'd be a good pick. And like you said, man, I, I, the knock on him was, I mean, he's a Cincinnati and he hadn't played anybody. So, you know, who's he covering? Well, he covered probably one of the best receivers in the league uh, or they were in the, in the, in college football. And like you said, pretty much locked him up. So, I mean, when he, when he was on him, I mean, and when he wasn't, then dude was running for a touchdown. So, I mean, you know, um, all right. So the next couple of guys I'm going to hit um, the Marvin Leal. A lot of people have him listed as a defensive tackle because he's huge. He's six foot four, 290 pounds. Um, he has lined up over the tack or over the guard. He has played outside. Um, he had eight and a half sacks, one forced fumble. Um, he's he's it's he's it's he's he's got some strange film. So I watched him against Bama clearly because I watched that game anyway. And um, he was throwing Evan Neal around like he was a rag doll. I mean, like his push pull was amazing on him. Um, and then he played, uh, I think, a, a, a Arkansas with uh, Cross. Uh, who's going to be probably a top tackle as well. Him and Neil both um, at top, probably the top two tackles in the draft and cross locked him up pretty much the entire game. So it was kind of like, man, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was tough to get a read on where he might fit. And he, now the, the good thing is he is very versatile. Like I said, he can play up and down the line. He's a strong dude. Do you want to add weight to him and play him inside next to Grady 
you know, maybe get them to 300 a little over, or do you want to maybe leave them at 280 and, you know, play outside? So there's some options there. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, the consistency was a little bit of an issue for me. Like he was good against – what you wanted to see consistently from him was not there, basically what I'm saying. He gets stuck on one move sometimes, and then if that didn't work, kind of remind me of Vic. <laughs> that was, was kind of over with at that point. Um, so that was the only thing uh, with him. And But while watching him, uh, the guy on the other side of him, Michael Clemens, for Texas A&M, 6'5", 265, seven sacks, one forced fumble. He's projected to go now in the fourth or fifth round. Um, I can see him moving up the draft, though, um, as, a, as especially the measurables come out as the combine goes. Um, long limb dude, he's got great power in his hands. Uh, he can bend really well. Like I said, I'm not huge on that, but that's just, I mean, that's, that's a fact. That's what he can do. Um, he, he can, he's got a great rip and, rip and dip. He can swipe inside counter spin. Got a ton of moves he can use. Uh, good speed. He's, I mean, he, playing opposite of Neil, he was really, or of Lil, really good. Uh, I don't know if that was partially because they're worried about both of them. And, you know, it's hard to, if you've got two, just like Hutchinson and Ojabo, if you've got two ends that can really rush a passer, it's, it's tough on you. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's – he was a little iffy against the run and what I watched, not great. It seemed like it almost uh, – like stuff just – he processed it a little bit slower. Like when he realized it was a run, it was almost like, you know, slow motion. It took him a little bit to kind of recognize the play. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I, it, as a fourth or fifth round type of guy, I can see us definitely possibly taking a chance with him. As far as Leal goes, I've seen second – round projections uh possibly late first maybe even third round i've seen it kind of all over the board i think the folks aren't really sold on him um completely i wouldn't be uh too upset if we spent a, a day two pick on him but i think you know if we get our pass rusher with the first pick i don't think we go to him with our second pick i think we're talking about you know a corner or a qb or you know who knows what so yeah yeah so next corner uh going to the acc Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson coming out as, as a junior. Um, Andrew Booth Jr. coming out as a junior. Uh, his stock may have fallen a little bit this past year, just given Clemson's fall off in general. Had a really good year last year and really a really good game against Georgia the first game of the year. Um, a lot of folks say that he may have the best feet and balance in the entire class. Um, I guess the knock on him is he, he does get burned. He, he's, he's gotten burned a few times pretty bad. And also, just tackling, which can be a problem for a lot of corners. Yeah, I wonder if that's because he's been more aggressive, um, it, you know, or is he it, just... it, it, it very probably, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, very well could be. But another guy that I've seen him anywhere from like twelve to twenty-two, so he's probably not going to slip to forty, probably not a second-round pick. And I, I don't know that I would draft. Certainly, wouldn't draft him at eight, given a mm -hmm. lot of. Your, folks that will likely be available, particularly the, the rushers. So it's probably somebody we won't be getting, but he's third, fourth on a lot of folks board for corners. Yeah. And like we talked about, you know, if we happen to end up trading Calvin and we do get a lower round pick in the first round, he could, you know, that could be potentially somebody we look at. Yep. All depends who the hell, who the hell they go with on the first pick, you know, yep, exactly. That's good they, may, they may surprise us all and go freaking tight end or something. Who knows? Um, <laughs> again, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> People have a meltdown. I think they decided to pass around again. Like, yeah, seriously, you know, I would be one of them. Do, do the Patriots two tight ends? Uh, with oh, 
And as uh, you <laughs> we do need a, another tight end to go with with uh, Kyle, but Jesus, yeah, we can't go that early. No, I, I'm totally kidding about that. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do no, do sure. not do not go tight end at eight. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Um, all right, so moving on to the next couple of guys for me. Well, this this dude could be a, and I've seen this on the draft network, and I went back, and his name kept popping up throughout this throughout the season. They they call him the West Coast Aiden Hutchison, which is you know a lot to live up to. But um, Cameron Thomas from San Diego State, six foot five, two seventy, eleven and a half sacks, one forced fumble. Uh, I watched a good bit of film on this dude, man, and uh, yeah, I love this guy. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen late first round. He, he could be moving up the, the the draft as well, possibly second round. I mean, he's one of those guys. I think if if he's there in the second round, say we do go corner in the first pick. And he's there in the second round. That's this is a guy I would like to take. Me personally, um, I mean, just very, very strong, lightning quick with his hands. Uh, he's he's played up and down the line as well, but I mean, great bull rush. Uh, can combine his moves very easily. Um, they said the same thing as Karloff, just not as bendy as you would like. I don't really care about that. Um, he can be sometimes a little bit late to the play, a little bit sometimes, but. I mean, we're I'm just nitpicking really because he, he was first team all first team all Mountain West for three third straight year this year, um, and like I said, I, I think it was the Draft Network that said he could be you know really the kind of diamond in the rough this year that people nobody's really talking about because nobody sees San Diego State play. I had no idea. I didn't see any San Diego State games. I had to go uh, look him up, but uh, I mean, he can. You know, he can, like I said, he can play anywhere on the line, man. He's a very, very impressive dude. And uh, like a motor doesn't stop. I mean, I'd be very happy with that guy in a, in a late second – or I'm sorry, a late first or early second, depending on, like I said, where he falls. Um, and then a Georgia dude, everybody should probably know, Trevon Walker, 6'5", 275 this year – or 275, six sacks. Um, crazy get off this dude has. I mean, I've watched most of him this year. Um Great motor through the play for his size. He's very athletic to be 275. I mean, very, very athletic. And the same thing with him. I've seen him kind of, you know, a day two guy. Uh, but he could be moving up the board too. I can actually see him moving up into the late round, first round if, if he really measures out well and has a good pro day. Um, because I think his upside is is like a Jabo. I mean, like he's he's got a pretty high upside in my opinion. He's very, very violent when he uh, gets into the tackle, uh, which I like love to see. Uh, uses his quickness and his power um, that he has got plenty of. Um, his hands is the only thing. Needs to probably get a few more counter moves because he relies a lot on that power to when he gets into the tackle. So if the tackle gets into him and holds him up a little bit, that's sometimes where the play stops. Um, but you're talking about a guy who can set the edge without any problem whatsoever. And he's, like I said, with his size, you can actually move him inside as well if you want to play a little bit of interior, not on a regular basis, but um, – you know, uh, Dean Pease likes guys that can be versatile. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what his defense is. He wants you he, – he wants the offense to have zero idea what's happening at the, at the snap of the ball. So, you know, that's one thing that was in my mind too, looking at guys that, you know, may not be – you know, any guy that's got more versatility to them, I think, can be very, very appealing to Pease, especially on the defensive line because – I mean, we got nothing there except Grady. I mean, we it's uh, that's really. I mean, Okandeji, I think had, I think he will be an interesting guy going forward because uh, he was a late round pick for us this year. Played, I thought, pretty well near the end of the season when he had the opportunity for us. 
but other than him, we need a lot of help there. So yeah, I, I can I can see either one of those guys. I'd be happy with Thomas or Walker as far as a second day pick for us without without a doubt. Yeah, so coming back to corners, uh, back to the SEC, uh, Kyer Elam Jr. out of Florida. So this guy makes me feel old. I'm not as old as John, but uh, thank his, you. <laughs> but his his <laughs> uncle is actually Matt Elam, who was a first round pick to the Ravens out of Florida as a, as a safety. So <sighs> when when Matt Elam has nephews that are they're getting drafted, I guess I am old. But that's that's uh, not, that was not seen that long ago. And what's but that is a little deceiving because Matt Elam, I looked him up, he's only 30, so he's not like oh, okay, he's, he's not as old as you, he's not 40. But <laughs> awesome, go <laughs> better here, but but uh, but no, Kyrie Elam's a stud. I mean, he's he's got good size, 6'2, um, he's good in zone and press man, length and athleticism, very physical at the line of scrimmage. I guess one knock, you know, talking about his size is he does tend or he has gotten beat several times with receivers that that can get vertical. So he doesn't apparently have that good hops. But uh, he is a legitimate second round pick, though. I've seen him as high as 27, but he could he could definitely slip to 40 and might be somebody we could grab at that one of the one of our two second round picks. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's one dude, honestly, I didn't watch much of. I mean, I saw him in the you know few games this year, but um yeah, I I didn't see a whole ton on him, but this is crazy. I think that's, that's his freaking nephew. It's nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, looking at uh, these next couple of dudes for me, and I like this guy a lot too, uh, Arnold Ebiketti. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, from Penn State, six foot three, two hundred fifty six pounds, nine and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. He transferred from Temple to Penn State and had the best season of his career at Penn State. So the up, the up in the competition didn't affect him at all. Um, really good lateral movement, good first step. Not an elite first step, but good. Uh, he's got good bull rush. Another guy that's got a high motor to him. Uh, the only thing I saw in a little bit of what I watched, uh, can play a little bit high sometimes, can lose his balance coming around the edge. Uh, but overall, man, great burst, great power. I mean, uh, good base when he sets the edge. His hands could get a little bit better. Like I said earlier, I mean, like a lot of these guys, it comes down to they're all relatively close to the same size. It comes down to kind of their versatility and how well they are, how well they can play with their hands. So uh, I would be very content with this dude. He's projected later around second, third day, uh, probably going to be moving up. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I've, from what I've seen and what I've read, he could be moving up um, for sure. But uh, I like him, though. I think he'd be a good pick for us later rounds. Um, the next dude, uh, would be from Cincinnati, Majay, Majay, Sanders, six foot five, two fifty five, two and a half sacks. Um, what I watched on him and I've seen him obviously a few times against, uh, I've watched him in the Georgia game last year against the Peach Bowl where he absolutely ran through Xavier Truss multiple times, um, and so that wasn't, I mean, that was kind of a, when I first, I was like, wow, who the hell is this dude? But to me, he looked a little bit light and uh, I started reading about it and they said that his weight does fluctuate anywhere from 235 to 255. And for me, like 235, you're talking about an outside linebacker. You're not talking about a defensive end because um, if you get stuck, I mean, that's, you know, a tackle is going to eat you alive if he gets gets his hands on you and you can't come off of him. Um, but he's got pretty effective bull rush for his size. Um, he does let tackles get into his chest a little too often. Um, 
in fact, Pro Football Focus said that he was kind of a poor man's Frank Clark, which Frank Clark, pretty damn solid. I wouldn't be upset about that, but um, very athletic, I mean, and flexible with the size. Um, I don't I, – I personally would not like to – I don't know. I, it depends on how he's going to, how you're going to use him. I don't, if you're, if you're drafting him specifically to be on the edge, um, I think he's more of a situational type guy. I don't know if he's going to be an every down type of, of rusher, just, just because of his size. If he really, if he really is 255, which I don't know, I just have a hard time seeing that. Um, but you know, never know. I, I, but, uh, like I said, played really well against Georgia, not so well against Alabama, you know, inconsistencies there too. So, it is what it is. I just I don't see us really going that direction, but never say never. Who's up next for you, buddy? Yeah, so going to the West Coast, uh, Washington Junior, which Washington has some has a couple really good corners, uh, both Trent McDuff, talk about now, and Kyler Gordon. It's a re- really good secondary for for Washington, but yeah, so Trent McDuffie, um, again another guy that's kind of the total package, little undersized at five eleven, but definitely not a deal breaker for a corner. Um, could improve his physicality, but he's fast, quick, uh, pretty good tackler, can play man or zone, and, you know, really good as both a pass uh, and run defender. As far as where he's going to where he's gonna end up, I've seen him kind of all over the map. I've seen him as high as 10, as low as 27. So he's another guy that, you know, if we were to be able to get a late first-round pick for Calvin or, or somebody else, might be a good grab there, or if by some miracle he slips to 40, might be a good pick there. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that, like you said, Washington has a history of putting out pretty good corners. Isn't that where – that's where Trufant was, right? That Desmond, yep, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, interesting that you bring him up. I should have looked this up, but I ran into Desmond Trufant one time at a Hawks game and <laughs> ended up talking to him for probably an hour. Ended up – I bought him some a couple of drinks. He was all about it. Seriously? Yes, I'll send you the picture. I'll take a picture of him. I, I took a selfie with him, but he's super yeah. nice. And, t- and talking about height, that's what I – I don't know how tall he is, but he's not tall. I mean, he I'm not tall, and he was – he felt like about my height. I'm sure he had a wow. couple of things on me, but he yeah. wasn't a big guy at all. So, it's, height is not everything as a corner. It helps, but it, it's definitely not a deal breaker. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I'm going to look I'm gonna look that up right now, and then I'll let you bring him up. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you look at AJ, he's what, he's, he's me. He's six foot one, about 200 pounds, you know, 195. I mean, yep. you know, yep. so. But, uh, so according to Google, Trufant's six foot. So I would, I would not have thought that, but. Hmm. Well, you know what, that, yeah, but they can, you know. Fudge a couple inches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Drew Brees was also six foot. So you know, <laughs> I, mean, I know that's bullshit. Um, yeah. uh, well, breaking news here, dude. Um, uh, I just looked up Pro Football Network uh, real quick. They actually have Andrew Booth Jr., uh, the fifth overall prospect, and Stingley at number eight. As in overall, 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 as in overall, their top like, like on the like on the big board on their big board, yeah. It's yeah. so it's interesting. He's another guy that I've kind of seen all over the place. You know, Mel Kiper had him at twenty-two overall. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw him as high as twelve-ish. So I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting. Yeah, and so they also have a Jabo at ten, which I just talked about, you know, and uh, yeah. and right behind him is Karloftis at eleven. So, which you know, like I said, those are two guys I think that. And wow, they have Devar. They have the Marvin Neal at thirteen. 
and I've seen <laughs> I, I've seen like and I know all this shit's just you know it, it, it's it is what it is yeah, but I mean yeah. I've seen this dude in the second round the second day I mean that's that's pretty interesting um just oh sorry I was going through the rest of this pretty Jordan Davis I'm sorry yeah Jordan Davis at 19 sauce Gardner at 21 so there you go he, he's I mean in my opinion him and Stingley are the guys, but you're right. I mean, a lot of people are big on Booth. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Javon Walker, I just talked about 26, uh, moving up the board like I thought he might. Kyler Gordon, 28. Yep. So, and Trent McDuffie, 29, about back to back. So, yep. yeah, they definitely got their, uh, yeah, interesting. I just happened to see that article. Um, all right. So, now moving on for us, man. One dude I love uh, for edge rusher for us and, uh, and, He's gonna. He's working with Chuck Smith right now. Who I, Chuck Smith, one of my all-time favorite Falcons. Um, love that dude. Uh, he's working with the, him. The best pass rusher or not of Falcons history? Would you say? Man, he's got to be up there. Uh, him or Abraham at his, when he had him at his peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, yeah. It's hard to argue with Chuck Smith, man. Um, but he's been working with uh, with Chuck. And Chuck posted a video with him yesterday. Josh Pascal from uh, Kentucky, uh, six foot three, two seventy eight. So not as tall as some of the guys, other guys, but a big dude, two seventy eight. Five sacks, one forced fumble. Dude has some long arms. He's got a great spin move. Runs a four five at that weight and that size. Pretty impressive. Uh, not a super super tackler, but I mean uh, nothing. I'm super really really worried about. Set the edge really good. Uh, gets to the passer a lot uh, on just on his athleticism alone, but man, he can he can do can stand up in a he can stand up, he can do a five, he can do a three, violent off the line. I mean, that's what I that jumped off the screen and me when I watched him was he is just an angry angry pass rusher. <laughs> like it just, he wants to hurt somebody, and that's that's awesome. That's what I love to see. Um, the only I guess some of the knocks I read because you know I'm what I and I watched probably three different games with him in it. I watched the Georgia game, which he actually did pretty well in, um, and a few other games. Uh, but just his uh, his counter moves, like most – like some of the unpolished rushers, I mean, like they got all improve their counter moves a little bit. Um, doesn't have a, a super bend, but at his size, at 6'3", he's almost kind of – I mean, I want to say like a bowling ball, but, you know, that's, that's a more condensed <laughs> weight, you know, for a guy like that. Um, in the right scheme, I think, and I do think P's scheme would be fantastic for him. Um, doesn't have like the most, the greatest chase down speed, but I mean, you know, again, I'm not wanting him to chase down guys uh, way down the field. If, if he is, we got other issues. Um, the other thing is, does, doesn't always disengage really that well from the tackle. Um, but my God, if you line him up over a guard in the three technique, he is going to eat their lunch, man. Like he's going to, his inside move is fantastic. He can go outside on them. I mean, it's, he's, he can be a really, really just a nightmare for guards. So late, I mean, I've seen fourth and fifth round for him. He may move up. Like I said, um, I wouldn't doubt it at all. If he did move up, if, if we needed pass rusher in the late rounds and if he's, if we've already have our number one pass rusher, I mean, I would love to see them grab him because he'd be just ridiculous. Um, and let's see, Boye Mafe. Are you familiar with Mr. Boye Mafe? Uh, well, neither is anyone because he plays for Minnesota and yeah. nobody watched Minnesota football. 
at least down here. So he's six foot four, 255 pounds, seven sacks, one forced fumble. Again, it's going to be a late round guy that I would not mind seeing at all. His nickname is, uh, how would they call him? It was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Feldman freak, uh, <laughs> just insane athlete. Uh, he's definitely a work in progress. Um, he's not, he's pretty, pretty raw as far as some of the skills go, but the dude runs a four or five, um, He's got a 1.58, 10 yard split. His vertical is almost 41 inches. And this is all the pro, from Pro Football Network. Um, I watched a few of his, uh, few of the games. He's got a pretty good rip move. Um, hand, like I said, his hands can, and just everything as far as technique can get a little bit better. But I think with the right coach and the right, he, it seems like he's one of those guys that he doesn't not, he doesn't stop running. I, one of the plays I watched, man it's kind of wild to send it to you. He's, he run, he, the running backs already bust through the second level and you see this dude flying up the field. And you're like, what, who is that? Like, he's like, he's literally flying up the field and it's, and it's freaking this guy at 265 and he chases down the running back from behind. I mean, it was impressive. Um, as far as like when he gets to in the backfield, he can finish a little bit better. Uh, but if he puts in the work, man, uh, just based on his athleticism alone, I think he could be, uh, well, really interesting pick late in the and late in the, in the in the draft. I mean, for somebody, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him at all. Um, now, if it's him or Pascal that we're having to decide between, I'd rather see Pascal. But you know, uh, who knows? Next up on your board, yeah. So back to the uh, SEC Auburn. So Roger McCreary uh, coming out as a senior, very experienced, uh, started just about his entire career at Auburn. Um, pretty much the, his entire career man coverage scheme Plus. good tackler yeah yeah which is good for the falcon scheme uh good tackler very good in close coverage uh all, very good at limiting yards after the catch uh i mean i guess one knock again just he's six foot 190 so he's not undersized but he's not exactly tall either but definitely okay for a corner yeah that's like so that's that's uh that's aj right there yeah, it's AJ and apparently Desmond Trufant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as far as where he's going to fall, I mean, a lot of people see him as a first-rounder. He possibly could slip to early second round. I don't think he'll make it to 40, but might be a good good grab if he some by some chance does. Yeah. And, and just to show you how, how uh, just a, a, a not science this is, I quickly looked up pro football focus. Stingley's number four overall prospect or the Merrill draft and then you have to go down to number eight to get sauce Gardner who was 21 on pro football network so this is you know <laughs> so, so 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 I'll say this uh the order that I'm doing mine in is kind of an aggregate based on about four different call it you know PFS one draft yeah. one CBS is one so what I did I made a little spreadsheet and then mapped them all out and then the kind of the average of all of those services is the order that I'm doing them in, like the top. So Stingley was the number one overall right. from, from all those networks. So it, but it is interesting to your point. Some of them are all over the map. I mean, I think the biggest disparity of all of them, let's see, like Darion Kendrick out of Georgia, he was five at CBS, 10 on FF and wasn't even on draft. It wasn't even like top 15 at draft network. So it's just, it's interesting how, you know. Yeah, I think it's, Ten beauty or twelve and, guys can be that far off. Yeah, I think it's just like beauty in the eye of the holder type thing. I mean, it, it, yeah, it is. Because I mean, I, I follow a lot of guys on Twitter that are you know that are amateur draft 
scout, uh, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they look at the film, they watch film, they put it, you know. Um, and I mean, there's so many different opinions. And I mean, you can't really, there's no, you can look at what you see on the film and you can't say that, you know, anybody's wrong about it. I mean, they, when, when you get, when it gets down to it, like I said, for me, at least on the pass rusher side of thing, like, like that interview process for me is probably the most important. If, if you're, if, if, if the skill if on the, if the skill on the table is the same, I'm taking the guy that's got like some chip on his shoulder. That's got something to prove that's pissed off that, you know, I mean, that, I guess it can backfire. I mean, you know, I was uh, really big on a dude that we took, uh, man, from Auburn, interior lineman, blanket on my Davis, Marlon Davidson. Yeah, Marlon Davidson. Yeah. It's his, his, uh, what he said after the draft was hilarious about, I mean, like he just seemed like. Yeah, he, he was pissed, all right. Yeah, he was like, he wanted to get after him. I'm like, oh, this is great. He's going to be a good fit. And it just didn't translate, you know. Yeah. Um, but regardless, though, if, now granted, now he was later round pick. Now, if I, you know, you're talking about first, second round guys that, they can really, really get after the quarterback. Like I, I want that that mental type of just anger, and I want to be smart too. Though I mean, you got to be able to recognize you know plays earlier than later, so it's not you know you're not chasing the play down after the fact. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's funny, man. It's a very inexact science for sure. And I mean, clearly, like I said, we're two knuckleheads that just watch football, and you know. But uh, yeah, so for us, for me, I got a couple more guys, and I'm gonna call it a day. Um, on this because like I said, I could go forever because there's a very deep draft of, of uh, edge rushers. Um, two guys from Oklahoma, Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas. Benito is six foot three, two forty seven sacks and one forced fumble. Isaiah Thomas is six, five, two sixty seven, eight sacks, three forced fumbles. I'll start with Thomas first. Uh, I like him a little better than Benito. They're very, they're kind of different. Benito, uh, a little bit undersized, kind of like uh, Sanders from Cincinnati. Um, if you're going to play him in a 3-4, definitely he's going to be outside linebacker, maybe nine technique, uh, you know, speed rush, something like that. Um, if he's going to play on the edge in any other type of, of capacity, he's going to have to put on some weight. Um, he's not a guy who's going to set the edge all that well just due to his size. He gets, gets outside. If he gets outside the tackles, it's a wrap. But if the tackle, if, you know, if he – doesn't then they're going to stone him pretty pretty much every time um but he does have a lot of athleticism very agile for uh for a guy 6'3 240 um thomas uh on the other hand uh very explosive first step can play pretty much anywhere on the line um a little undersized obviously for an interior rusher but uh he's got a good push pull it's balanced i saw from what i watched can be a little questionable from here or there you can kind of get off on that um, and the other thing that's kind of hanging over his head, he did have a larceny charge and a failure to appear in court when doesn't always bode well for uh, the uh, interview process. So don't know how that worked out, but you never want a larcenist on your team as far as I know. Hey, and Antonio Brown kept a job for a while. <laughs> that's very true. If you're, if you're good enough, you can, you can, uh, <laughs> you can possibly keep, the, keep it. Uh, but, yeah, those are two guys, again, both guys later around uh, kind of a – you know, Benito like Sanders from Cincinnati, like I said, more of a situational, maybe top guy, maybe, like I said, outside linebacker type deal. Um, and then I'll just hit one quick guy that, and I haven't seen any film yet. I just read some stuff. Actually, I saw a little bit of his highlight uh, reel, but that was, you know, I don't like watching just highlights because you don't see any of the stuff they are questionable yeah, you'll, on. You'll see the bad stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, you know, uh, but 
this dude from UAB is Alex Wright, six foot seven, 270 pounds. Yeah. Seven and a half sacks. Uh, it didn't have elite uh, production for what you would think at somebody that size and playing against the, the level of competition, but for his size, very athletic from what I could see from his highlight reel. Um, th this is one of those dudes that's going to be like, unless he just amazes at the combine, it's going to be like, you know, sixth, seventh round type of guy that you just take a flyer on and hope it sticks at that size. I mean, I can see why you might take a chance, you know, if, if, mm -hmm. if, 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 if everything else you've wanted to do is covered. Um, but yeah, that, that was pretty, pretty wild to see that dude. Cause it just, uh, I didn't, I wasn't going to look at him and then I just saw his size. I was like, eh, yeah, check this guy out. Cause that's a big MF -er there on the line. So <laughs> anyway, all right, back to you. Yeah, so if this is the last one, I'm going to put a ball into our Georgia friends that are also Falcons fans and uh, go Darian Kendrick, the guy I just mentioned. So, so kind of an interest, interesting story with him. He was a big recruit, five-star recruit that actually went to Clemson as a receiver, um, switched to cornerback his sophomore year and then transferred to UGA before this past season due to some disciplinary problems at Clemson. So you could maybe question his character. I think it was more about academics, if I'm not mistaken, though. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of like your guy. I mean, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses, um, very well-rounded. It has all the intangibles, physical, good, good, uh, ball hawk, versatile body type. He's six foot one ninety, So kind of that prototypical cornerback size we've been talking about. Um, you know, if, if there's any weaknesses that I hate to get, you know, getting back to the DW quote from couple weeks ago you know right. don't, judge, don't judge a guy by one game but he did get beat pretty bad by Chris Alave in the playoffs 2020 against Ohio State 155 122 yards I believe in that game which I think is more than he gave up the entire season which is pretty incredible oh wow well you know Alave um, will be a top probably 10, uh, 15 uh, oh, yeah uh, oh no question so, so he might I, I mentioned him because he may be a late a good later round guy um mm -hmm. I, I've seen him you know, third, fourth round, somewhere in there. So he might be, you know, if, if we go a different direction in the earlier rounds, he might be a good grab, you know, third, fourth round, maybe. If he's yeah. Just... Yeah. Looking at, at PFF, you know, I was looking again and speaking, I spoke earlier about uh, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State and they have him at 29. So it's a very late end of the first round. And the next guy I was going to talk about, they have at 30, which is Drake Jackson from USC. Um, didn't have a great season in 2020. Um, he got he got injured and had a, I mean, well, he got injured in late twenty one, um, but he he finished actually. I was reading a PFF. He has an eighty seven point seven pass rushing grade, which is pretty solid. Um, I did watch some film on him, and I I, I like most of what I saw. Um, he can drop into coverage. He's six foot four, two fifty, five sacks, hundred uh, one forced fumble, and one one interception actually. Um, I didn't see the motor I love to see from from edge rushers. Uh, a lot of times he just I don't know he just didn't finish plays on every time you know and uh, uh, he can get if he gets caught up with the tackles, that's kind of where it dies. And his hands aren't fantastic, um, but I mean you know he, he's one of those guys. I think uh, they actually they had him at thirty. I mean he's not like it's a stretch. I think he's going to be there in the sec early second round, if, you know, or possibly move up as well. Um, but like I said, I just, uh, for me, when I'm watching pass rushers, I want to see this like a relentless motor and a relentless just drive. And, and I just didn't see that a lot, but again, I mean, 
pretty much anybody that I've talked about today will be an upgrade for us. So <laughs> I'm not overly good on Nick picked out all these guys. Um, and then another guy that really nobody knows about, and he's listed as a D tackle in a lot of places, uh, Logan Hall from Houston, 6'6", 275, another mammoth guy, um, but can play inside, can play outside. He's, he lined up over the guard a ton this year at Houston, um, but really, really good lateral movements for a guy his size. Uh, his bull rushes and long, and long arms are just pretty sick, to be honest. I mean, they, they were impressive watching it. Uh, great speed to power. He can he really converts that really well. Um, he's got a lot of moves in his. I mean, I think he's gonna be kind of like Cameron Thomas. He's he's gonna make make a team and and be one of those guys that's kind of uh, unheard of. But all of a sudden, everybody's gonna know his name. Um, his secondary moves sometimes aren't the best, and he doesn't switch to them. And what I at least what I watched, um, if the first one doesn't work, he doesn't always. It, it's not a smooth transition to a second one. He just kind of stops. Um, and he can be a little upright, which his, you know, 6'6", 275 is, I can understand it's tough to get low sometimes. Um, but, and he wasn't super great against the run uh, on a few of the plays. Well, actually a decent amount of plays I watched. And then he's not, not one of those space heater type guys, but I think, like I said, next to somebody like Grady uh, occasionally, but, and having that versatility again, I think would be kind of a, 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 a pretty appealing to Dean Pease. Uh, but like I said, I mean, later round type of guy. I haven't seen him too over uh, recently, at least. I mean, like <laughs> he could he could be in the first round right now. I don't even know um, with, with the way things move up and down. Um, but yeah, no, I don't see. I think he's going to be a later round guy. Um, so yeah. Oh, and PFF has not to just go right back to something else, but uh, Demarvin Leal at forty eight, and that <laughs> forty nine. The other service had him at what eight, nine? I don't know. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so um, since Troy's done, I'm going to just finish up. I, I'm, we could have made this two shows, but we're already here, so why not just finish it out? Um, I can keep going if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've only got a couple more guys, so we're almost done. Um, so Jermaine Johnson, I'm sure folks from UGA probably know that name. He started off at UGA, transferred to Florida State. Uh, I like this guy uh, quite a bit, actually. Um from what I watched, uh, very impressive first step. Also about a good lateral movement. Uh, he's 6'5", 262. He had 12 sacks this year, two forced fumble. Um, when he played against Evan Neal, uh, when he was at Georgia, he played really well against him. Uh, he does have really good bend. He can dip low around the tackle, keeps his good, keeps a good balance. Um, only, only negatives really is his technique could use some work like some of the other lower round guys. It's not nothing. And I, I say lower round, this is a guy who could actually move up to, in, in my opinion, I, I don't think it's uh, I mean, PFF has him at 42 uh, right behind Logan Hall, actually, who I just spoke about. Um, but yeah, he's somebody I think that, that uh, I would be pretty okay with us getting um, if that's a term pretty okay. Uh, but uh uh, and he kind of has a, from what, I too, from what I saw, I mean, other than playing kind of mad and angry as well, um, he was academically ineligible at the beginning of his career. He had a 1.9 GPA. So didn't care too much about school to start there. Sounds like me in college. <laughs> and, uh, so he went to JUCO and then UGA saw him and then, then he wasn't happy with, uh, you know, granted he was behind some really, really good guys at Georgia. Cause I mean, George, I mean, you're talking about Javon Walker and some of the guys there. Uh, so he went to FSU um, from there. And uh, like I said, finished out really strong. So 
you know, again, somebody that uh, I wouldn't be too upset about us getting, like I said, they, uh, we need a lot of them. So I'm not mad if we stack edge rushers in this draft at all. Um, Cause I mean, honestly, you're not going to fix everything in one draft. I mean, so, you know, kind of is what it is there. Um, I think that's about it. Oh yeah. One more dude. Um, is it one more dude? Yeah. Kingsley Ngbare from South Carolina. Uh, so I've seen him, I've seen him second round. I've seen him third round. Uh, I wasn't blown away by him. Um, he can line up. He's, he's a big dude, 6'4", 290. He had eight and a half sacks, one forced fumble. Um, so I'm sorry, no, I'm looking at the wrong dude. He's 6'4", 270, my bad. Four and a half sacks, one forced fumble. Um, can play anywhere, pretty much on the line. Stand up, he can, he can get down. Uh, pretty good hand usage. Uh, he does go outside a lot. He doesn't really he doesn't have a ton of moves. Um, really, really good against the run. He can he can shed blocks pretty easily. Um, read and reacts pretty well. Other than that, uh, I wasn't super impressed about the pass rush uh, as far as some other guys go. But um, and and from what I read, at least uh, the ceiling on him may be a little bit lower than some of the other guys that are out there. So, um, like I said, though, man, I, I'm not too. I'm not going to nitpick every one of these guys to death. I mean, there's definitely, I'll definitely have my favorites who I've already talked about. Uh, and I didn't mention everybody that's on this because I'm not going to go into 40 different pass rushers. That's not going to happen. Um, but I do think we went through them pretty well. If you guys want to check out any other more in depth, uh, really people that really dive into it, then just, you know, you can have to look any further than Twitter. There's a lot of great guys out there that do really good film work and everything. We just want to kind of give you an idea of, what's out there for us give you an idea of a little bit of what the players look like um you know without getting too in-depth because we could sit here for three or four hours and talk about it if we really want to go super in-depth and that's not what we're about um but uh yeah man so i guess we'll look at going into next week hmm what could we do i guess we could just go ahead and tackle quarterbacks so that's going to be a that'll be a pretty big uh i can do quarterbacks what do you want to do you, you pick your, your position, offensive yeah. line, linebackers, safeties, running backs, wide receivers. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going offense, like, I might stick stick with the offense, maybe maybe receivers or – Yeah. Yeah. Well. Why not? So, yeah, so next week we will hit up some quarterbacks and receivers. And the quarterback one should be interesting because, I mean, we could we could very well take a day two. We're not taking it again yeah. first at eight, but – I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask you, you know, knowing what we, knowing what we know today, and I, I know Calvin's the big wild card, mm -hmm. where would you go at eight? Would, would you go edge rush? I mean, and assuming that, you know, any number of the guys we talked about are on the board, which they should be, somebody, somebody would be there. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, sitting here on January, and like I said, there's no combine, there's no pro days, okay. nothing like that. Um if Karloftis is there, if Ojabo is there, I'm probably pulling the trigger on one of those guys. Um, but, but I guess big, bigger picture in, in your mind, the number one priority today is pass rush, edge rushing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, <clears throat> I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it was historically bad. I mean, I it just, you know, and I, we have nowhere to go but up. I mean, I, I don't see how it can be getting any worse. Um and you can't continue to ignore it and just plug in guys that are, you know, 10, five years in the league that's been so-so. I mean, like, we can't – I can't do Steven Means in another season. You know what I mean? It just – so. 
Yeah, the the only thing to me, and you already said it, that this new regime has to hit. You can't yeah. have more tax and VIX, and you got to get the right guy. But. Yeah, and I think I mean they got a lot. They come under a lot of fire under their their first uh, draft. This you know this first draft they had, which I'm not going to. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I, they, I was listening to the podcast or the Falcoholic podcast earlier this week with Aaron Freeman, and they asked him. You know, was were you impressed by the first year? Were you disappointed, or were you kind of right on the, you know, eh, whatever, you know, type of, uh, you know? And Aaron said that. Um, and by the way, Aaron Freeman hosts Locked On Falcons. By the way, another great podcast. Check him out. Um, he uh, he said he was, you know, he had he had higher expectations than maybe most would have had going into the season, so he was a little disappointed overall. Um, I've said several times on the podcast, I literally had zero expectations going into the season. I don't know about you. I don't know if we talked about it before, but I literally, I had no idea what to expect. I knew we had, you know, Calvin, which I felt good about. I felt good about Pitts. Obviously, Matt, I was scared to death about the offensive line, which that come to be, come to be, you know, true. Um, pass rush, I was hoping for the best, but it sucked, you know, so. New coach, new, new, new coach, coaching ton staff. Of, ton of guys on, yes, yeah, right. Ton of guys on one-year contracts. Ton of guys, ton of young guys, and they're learning. Probably one of the more complicated defenses in the league with Dean Pease. And you know, I didn't expect. I mean, people were. I, I was one of the guys. I wanted to see Richie Grant play a lot because we drafted him. What you know, second round. So you drafted him with the intention of playing. And he didn't get on the field as much as I would have liked, but I understand why because. You know, you don't want to just throw them out there and have this failure immediately, constantly, over and over and over again. Um, you know, there's got to be a little bit of success there. Otherwise, you're mentally just going to get just kicked in the balls over and over and over again. Um, but, no, I, I you know, I, I'm not, I, I wasn't disappointed. I mean, I, I thought seven wins was probably – or I thought probably eight or nine wins was a high ceiling, you know. And I thought seven uh, – we probably should have had eight. We should have won Washington game. I mean, we should have just won that game, period. But – uh you know, uh, you, uh, to me, it's kind of what you expected out of the team that was young and a bunch of guys that, you know, were just thrown together. Um, Mayfield, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll get to the offensive line at some point. Uh, he was so bad. I don't know that you, if you bring in a guard and, you know, you try to you, – I mean, you, you got to do something. You can't have that there. You got to hope he gets better. Like I was having a conversation with a dude on Twitter this week, actually, like, what do you do there? Well, yeah, there's only so many options. You either bring in a, a guard, a, a veteran guard, and hope to hell that he, you know, challenges him or just replaces him. I mean, I, and I know that sucks because then you've wasted the draft pick, essentially. Um, but I didn't, you know, he was kind of thrust into that. We've talked about it before. He, he was – he practiced most of the preseason at tackle. Josh Andrews gets hurt, and then all of a sudden he has to start at left guard, you know. And so, I mean, it's – he wasn't exactly set up to succeed, but I mean, he also epically failed. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, I don't know. I, I we'll talk about it. Like I said, when we get to the offensive lineman, but uh, yeah. How did you feel though? Uh, you answer, if you had to answer that question, disappointed, uh, impressed or man. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm, I would say I'm probably pleased, you know, seven wins is, doesn't sound great, you know, but I don't know what they're, over under was going into the season, but I would have guessed six, six and a half, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I, yeah. I feel pretty good about seven, especially considering you know the Calvin thing that yeah. we, no one knew was coming. So right, and their roster is not good. I mean, it's as simple as that. I, I, with a 
new coaching staff. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I wasn't too upset about it either. And uh, and one one other thing too that kind of was funny to me. Um, I got into a conversation this week too about uh, Julio. Well, that no, was more actually about uh, TD and the moves that he made. And uh, I just mentioned that you know moving up to get Julio was a pretty good move in my opinion. Um, and then you know, dude disagreed big time, saying you know we we could have got High Tower and Justin Houston, you know, with those picks that we gave up we could have but you know, there's no guarantee that td is going to make those picks yeah. um and the dude's going to be a first hall first ballot hall of famer he should have won us a super bowl with that catch uh you know i mean it's i i can definitely now you know if you're telling me we get houston and hightower and sure yeah i'll, I'll take that trade because then you probably have a ridiculously good defense for quite a while and you you know you don't have that talented receiver but you know, you've seen teams make it work without, you know, top class receivers as well. But I wouldn't, and I'm not, and I'm not someone who typically likes to move up because I don't like giving up draft capital in general. But I was, I was okay with that one just because I thought he was a generational type guy. And you just go, what about you? And he was. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And really kind of started getting the injury bug. He was. I mean, right. Talked about it. He's, yeah. he was great. He, he was a big part of why we got the Super Bowl. We really should have mm-hmm. won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, so, but, uh, anyway, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll close the show out here, guys. If you want to, uh, over number one, hopefully enjoyed it. Like I said, we wanted to, uh, there's a lot of, um, podcasts. There's a lot of, uh, coverage in the draft network, pro football network, uh, just, you know, ESPN, of course, all the regular ones that are going to give you a ton of detail. Um, we just wanted to kind of, like I said, kind of go through these guys, give you a little bit of detail on what we saw and what we think, which, you know, take it for, for what it is. Um, but uh, what we thought that the Falcons might, might be a good fit for us. And uh, we will see how that, how that pans out for us and how either stupid we look or how ingenious that we look when the, the draft comes around. And now on the next show, we should have more time because I don't think the list, I know the list of quarterbacks are not that long at all. So that'll be, it's not a very deep quarterback draft to say the least. So, uh, receivers, you'll have a pretty decent amount, um, but I mean, that's that's fine. Uh, we we should have time though. We'll, we'll we'll do a live uh, mock draft on the next show, and uh, we'll use the Pro Football Network because you can do proposed trades and stuff like that. We'll just kind of see how it all works out, and because uh, you never know. I mean, we we might end up trading. Calvin may have a couple of earlier picks than we um, thought that we were going to have, but um, it'll be fun to do. But anyway, like I said. Um, you guys can check us out on Instagram, Out of Your Falcon Mind. We don't use it a ton, but still follow us. And uh, on uh, Twitter, Out of Your Effing Mind, which we are on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, if you could give us a follow, and we will follow you back. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify, just leave us a five-star review. Um, if you're on iTunes and you write some nice stuff about us, I'll be happy to read about it, read it out on the show and shout you out. And uh, overall, those things just help us move up the ladder of uh, Falcons podcast. And uh, us being a new podcast, a newer podcast, we started in October, um, you know, that really helps out a lot. And um, like we said before, I mean, we're, we're kind of a, we're Falcon centric, but we talk about a lot of different things uh, dealing with Atlanta sports. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we've gotten into Netflix, we've gotten into all kinds of weird stuff before, and that just kind of wherever the conversation takes us, but we hope it's entertaining. That's kind of our point. <laughs> we, don't, we didn't want to be 100% type of stats and everything. We just wanted to have some uh, some good opinions and uh, have some fun with it. But, uh, 
yeah anyway that's pretty much it oh yeah and youtube you can watch us on youtube uh and if you're on watch us on youtube please subscribe because we're going to start doing this thing live on youtube pretty soon we just have to have a certain number of subscribers to get there so we haven't really plugged that a lot but um we are going to do that pretty soon and possibly even twitter and, and whatnot once i get into that stuff but um like i said man hope you guys enjoyed this one um for all the draft nerds out there like uh, like us who like to dive into a little bit um as much time as we have at least to get into it so we'll be back next week uh with some quarterbacks and some receivers and because you never know we we could go receiver number one again man it's possible possible i mean there could be an alave or jameson williams yeah and in fact before we leave and i, I keep saying this uh was it uh, Scott Bear was answering a mailbag today on uh, on Twitter, and it, he just said that you know uh, basically just saying that the Falcons could very well go receiver at eight. And dude, you thought people would a lot. I mean, you, just, you would have thought Terry Fontenot. And there was a picture of Fontenot from this other this other publication, and it was Fontenot's face with that with that description, and it had nothing to do. Like Fontenot didn't say that. Like it was like, but people were like, no hell no. I'm like. Man, the dude was answering a mailbag question that said that they possibly could go. I could possibly have Mexican food tomorrow, and I mean that's that's about what that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just it's a, it's crazy what people take with and run with uh, when they hear it. It just blows my mind. Yeah, and and I, I know we'll talk about it, but I mean the common thing does kind of change that conversation. Though. I mean, it does though. We we truly have nobody. Mm -hmm. so I'm not suggesting that we we go there, but. I mean, it, it, it's as big of a weakness as there is on any position. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Russell, Gage, when Russell Gage was your number one and now he's not even under contract anymore, um, okay. you got a problem. So, yeah. and you're right. If Calvin's not there, that changes the conversation a lot because that I, I, I don't want to take a receiver at eight, but no, damn, you're, but, but <laughs> you're going to need somebody really quickly to step into that role. I mean, yeah. but there's a guy's – and we'll talk about it, but there's guys – they could go second and third round. Wondell Robinson, I love from Kentucky. We'll get into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, man, I, I, I hope that he is right and he is good and he loves Atlanta and he wants to stay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I hope happens. Yep, that's the best case scenario. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, guys, all right. Uh, we have talked enough about all this mess. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate it very much. Uh, you can listen to us again, anchor.fm, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, YouTube. We are out of your Falcon mind, and we will catch you guys next week. Peace.